before I jump into things, uh, one thing I did, I do have some notes for this morning. You don't need them as I'm speaking, but they are some notes out in this lobby. If you want them afterwards, you can get those notes. Um, that helps me to know that I don't have to say every word that I want to because I can double teach, you know, the words here and the words that go home. Um, and then another thing before I get into the message, which I'm really excited about, is I just, we're an authentic people. We're a real people. And uh, I just felt like I needed to express the real emotion I had sitting here. I don't have this every single Sunday, but watching everyone come for communion, I felt, don't take this in the wrong way, I felt like when my kids were young and they brought all their friends into the house, you know, and just we're all eating there and it's a mess, right? And it's loud, it's boisterous and people are jostling, but I just had this sense of like, what a beautiful family we are. So that's all I have to say about that. I just think you got you, you to gotta express what you feel sometimes. It's got to get out there. Okay. Um, a few years ago, uh, I started to get concerned about my hearing. And so I was talking to Jane and I said, I think I need to, I think I maybe need to go to the ear doctor, an audiologist or something, because I'm having trouble hearing. So um, the reason I thought this is because uh, Jane always thought I would be a good spy because if we're sitting at a restaurant and there are lots of people around, I can tell you what they're fighting about, how much their bill is, what that lady ate for dinner last night, what she was, you know, what he did in high school, etc. I can hear all of that, but I can't tell you what my beloved Jane <laughs> is saying right across the table. Men? Okay. All right. So I, I thought, there's something wrong. Like, my hearing's bad because I'm like, what, what, what? So I go to the audiologist, and no offense, but she was about 12. <laughs> Maybe 13, I don't know. I go to the audiologist, and we go through all the tests. And I'm no joke, this is what she says. She says, I have some good news and some bad news. Don't you hate when they say that? Like, okay. She said, the good news is your hearing is fine. I'm like, okay. She said, the bad news is let's talk about your brain. It's not bad, okay? All she said was, as you get older, your hearing's okay, but your brain begins to lose its ability to decide what to hear. I can't focus my hearing. I'm like orally ADD, you know? I'm like, I can hear all this, but I can't get my brain in to, to hear the voice of my beloved. Okay, you get where I'm going with this? I mean, do you feel that way sometimes as, as a person before the Lord walking in the world? Like, you know that God is speaking and, and, and the words of God are, are meat, they're our life. But with so many distractions, it's hard for us to focus so much going on on the voice of the beloved, to hear the words that are, that are actual life. And um, we're going to be talking this morning from the parable of the sower, Mark chapter 4. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the parable of the sower. Actually, you're going to help me with that. Don't be nervous. It's going to be fun. But more, I want to give you the big context of Mark chapter 4. There are three parables in Mark chapter 4. And in uh, these, well, I can't remember, 29, whatever how many verses there are in Mark chapter 4, 10 different times Jesus uses a reference to hearing or listening or ears. He says, um, the very beginning, verse, uh, verse 3, he says, listen. That's the first command of Jesus. He's going to go into his teaching. He says, listen. 
as if every single person wasn't like, ah, oh, this is the healer. What's he going to say? But he says, listen. Then he says a couple of times, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then through the parable, he talks about people hearing. I had an email discussion with Bill and Stacy this, uh, this week because as I was talking about hearing, I wanted to hear from them. How do you hear me talking about hearing when you're deaf? And how does that feel? And, we, and they were so encouraging to me, like so encouraging to help me understand the spiritual nature of hearing. Jesus isn't saying, if you can hear, can you hear? He's not saying that. He said, if you've got ears and you do, and if you can hear in your heart and you can, listen. Like, do something about it. So, as I go through a lot in the next couple of minutes, if, if, you, if you want to get the crux of the message right here, it's this. To hear is to heed. You just write it down, like, on your forehead or something. To hear is to heed. Why don't we say it? It'll be fun. To hear is to heed. In other words, when... Uh, in the Old Testament Hebrew and in the New Testament Greek, the word for hearing always implies an action. We think of it, you know, <laughs> my wife says, did you hear me? Uh. But when you talk to your kids, like, are you, do you hear me? The question is what? Not just does it process, but are you going to act on this crucial information I'm delivering to you? And that's a New Testament and the Old Testament concept of hearing is to hear is to obey. To hear, hearing, to hear is to heed. So I'm going to ask you this morning to listen, not just to the words, but my words, but the words of the Lord, the heart of God towards us. A couple of introductions. Uh, a parable, which we're going to talk about this morning, is uh, it means uh, something put along something else for comparison so as to make a point. Notice that I didn't say a parable is something to help people understand because that's one of the issues here. The disciples come to Jesus and say, why do you speak in parables? We can't understand. A parable is meant to put one thing next to another, an, a commonly known thing next to a thing that's not understood so much. What? To reveal who understands. That's why Jesus spoke in parables. He says it himself. One of the issues in the chapter right here, disciples are saying, like, why do you talk in parables? It's not clear. And Jesus says, in effect, if you read Mark 4, 10 to 12, I speak in parables to reveal the hearts of the hearers. He speaks in parables to reveal the hearts of the hearers. If you hear, that is, hear and understand and obey, then your heart is open for the message. On, on the contrary... If you are not willing to understand, if you are not planning to act, Jesus says the, the message will not get through to you. So he puts it in a secret. I mean, I don't know why he does that. I really don't know why he does that. But the, uh, and it's interesting because Jesus says to the disciples, I've given you the secret of the kingdom, but those on the outside, I give parables to reveal their hearts. So if you, when we read through it, you'll realize... Jesus gives the parable, then he hangs out with the disciples, and he says, did you get it? And what do they say? Uh, no. So he has to explain it to them anyway. But I don't even know what to do with that. I'm sure there's a commentary about that issue right there. 
my, what I take from it is this. Let's not ever think that we're the special people of the kingdom. In one sense, we're all the beloved and the special people of the kingdom, right? But let's not think because I have understanding here and you don't that, oh, I'm closer, right? No. I mean, we are all, take this nicely, as dense as the disciples. And so what do we long for? Jesus to pull us aside and say, let me explain it to you. And he's kind to do that. I don't know why Jesus chooses to talk in parables, but the more important question for us this morning as we read a parable is, will we hear it? Will we hear it? Will we take it in? Will we own it? Will we understand it? Will we obey what we learn? Lots of uh, views on this parable and the purpose of parables and all of that, but the, the main thing is, can we understand what's clear? There's a quote, and it's attributed to Mark Twain, but I don't know if he really said this. I don't know if he ever said anything. I don't even know if the guy existed. He's got so many quotes attributed to him. But here's one I, I do like. He says, some people are troubled by things in the Bible they can't understand. What troubles me are the things I can understand. So we're not going to talk about what we can't figure out in the passage today. Let's deal with what's crystal clear right in front of us. I had about six minutes to speak two weeks ago in the beginning of this series because we worshiped, which was glorious. And in that message, I just gave the crux of the beginning of uh, Mark chapter 1 where Jesus um, uh, arrives on the scene and, and sort of announces his purpose in ministry. He says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. The rule and the reign of Jesus is here right now. It's here and it's coming. It's already come and it's not yet fulfilled. And he says, here's the response. If you can hear me that the kingdom is here, I'm here to rule and reign in your life, a response is required. Repent, turn from trusting in yourself and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is here. Like this changes everything. Okay, there's my preamble. Let's read from Mark chapter 4. Two to nine. Why don't you stand as we um, read? I think I'll pick this one over here. Oh, there we go. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning from Mark chapter four. Jesus was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Lord, you've given us ears to hear. Our hearts are open. And so I ask, Lord, that you'd speak your word now through the text and through my words and through others as we communicate together. Lord, release the good news of the kingdom to us this morning. And give us ears to hear and hearts to respond in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You can be seated. So Jesus is teaching us about the kingdom, and he's also revealing our hearts in the story. He's telling us a story to help us understand how the world we live in contrives against us, conspires, like moves after us to keep us from the soul connection with the king, right? I mean, we could go through a lot of examples of how you were distracted from God this week or how the word of the kingdom came and, you know, 52 other things came and flooded like your computer screen when pop-ups come in, you know? You're just trying to read the Bible or find out about Justin Bieber's new clothing line or something really important, you know? And all this stuff is coming in. So a couple minutes about what the story is not about because we can end up focusing on what's not most important. The story is not about how much fruit is born. Like Western competitive, let's make it happen type people, we're all kind of tends to, wow, 30, 60, 100? That's awesome. This must be about how much fruit we can make. I just want to point out that I really don't believe that's what it's about. Jesus commands us to bear fruit, John 15. He says, go bear fruit. Much fruit is the way he says it. So he loves much fruit. But that's not the point of this parable. The point is not how much. It's the fact that fruit is born from hearing intimate and obedient hearts. The the point is about the heart. It's much more about the roots than it is about the fruits in this context right here. So it's not about maximizing fruit. It's about obedience and intimacy. The major point about the fruit is that God is the one who brings it. One of the parables also in Mark 4, which we won't read, comes right after this one. The kingdom of God is like a man. Well, I guess I'm going to read it. (laughs) Funny. We're not going to read it, so I'll read it now. The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. Here's the phrase I love. He knows not how. In other words, God has designed the world to bear fruit. We cooperate with it, but we don't make things grow, right? We don't build the kingdom. We don't make it happen. We cooperate with the king, and then he does all the work. And then we stand back and go, like we sang in that last song, which I love, you're so good. You're so faithful. The fourth parable is about the mustard seed. That the kingdom is like a mustard seed, small and insignificant, but wow, it grows. In other words, don't focus on how big this is or that, but, but the reality that God plants a small thing and he is able to multiply. Let's not worry about how much fruit we're bearing. Let's ask the more important question. Are we hearing God and are we obeying his word? That, that's, that's the disciples question. Are we hearing the Lord? And when we hear, what are we doing about it? Are we saying yes? Are we obeying? Are we walking in his ways? So the story is about seeds and a sower and some soil. The seed is constant and the sower is constant, right? The seed, I would say, is the the word of the kingdom. Maybe, I don't know the time frame between the two, but maybe the seed of the kingdom that Jesus is is referring to is, hey, remember, he says to his people, remember back in Mark 1 when I came up and said, the time is now? 
The kingdom is here. Heaven is invading earth and it's in me. Remember that? That's the seed of the kingdom. Now a sower goes out to, to, to sow these things. It's the same seed. It's not a story about good or bad seed. And it's the same sower. It's not a story about good or bad sowing techniques. The sower is God. And the most amazing thing about the sower in the parable is that he's incredibly generous with the seed. He just takes the seed and seemingly willy-nilly flings it all over the place. And there's lots to talk. I mean, the commentators have a blast with that, but I'm not going to do it. The variable in the story is the soil. Which soil characterizes the one who will not just hear the word, like hear, but take the word in, accept the word, take hold of it? To hear is to heed. Um, Some of the material in this next little part of my message comes from a book called Soul Keeping by John Ortberg. I just want to confess right off the bat because I'm I'm sort of afraid of plagiarism, you know, like I lifted a lot from him. So if you have the book, you read it, you'll see whole sentences I stole from him. But as long as I say I stole, I'm not stealing, right? (laughs) It's all free in the kingdom. John Ortberg, Soul Keeping, one of the best books I read last year, just really intrigued me and taught me about my soul before God. He says that in this passage, we could replace the word soil with the word soul. It's, it's, and we're not talking about a biblical thing here. I'm not changing the Bible, but it's, it's the image that Jesus is giving. We sometimes, probably if you've heard this preached, you've heard it's the heart, right? But I like the soul. Because the, the, the soil is like the soul, the mind, the will, the emotions. Some would say the body. This whole part of us that connects both with the world and with God. That's the soul, as I understand it. There's this, this part of us, this deep part in every human created by God to interact with the human world and to interact with the divine world because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And so if you think about these soils as souls, I think it'll help us to understand how do we actually hear the message and then apply it. Basically, the soul that is open to the seed of the kingdom is life, fruitfulness, and the soul that is closed for whatever reason is death. I mean, that's, that's the image. It's It's three bads and a good, right? Didn't work, didn't work, didn't work to different extents for different reasons in the passage. But in the end, it's the the soil that Jesus praises that says, but here's one who hears it. Every soul in the parable heard the word. But Jesus says of that last one, the good soil, here's the one who hears it and accepts it, takes it in, and it bears fruit in that life. I started this morning in our worship with Psalm 42.7. Let's read from Psalm 42. Psalmist starts out, he says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. Do you know that feeling? The deep part of you. You have some part of your mind, your emotions, 
your, your will, your desire, you're like, God, things are confusing. I need you. How many of us have been in that place of prayer like, God, come. I need you now. And, I, and my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You can go 30 days or 40 days or whatever without food. You can go three days without water. You can go no days without God. Right? So he says, my soul thirsts for you. And then this phrase, deep calls to deep. And I won't try to figure out all the, the, the mechanics of that other than I think it's the psalmist saying, the deepest part of me is crying out to the deepest part of you. Overwhelm me. Like, take it all. Because we have that longing for God. All right, let's talk about the parable in itself. The, the, the souls represented by soils. Jesus has to explain it to the disciples, right? Because they're like, oh, yeah, we don't have a clue what you're talking about. So he starts to explain it, and he says, some seeds fall along the path. It's, I mean, it's already pretty dry in Palestine. I've never been to Israel. Who's been to Israel? Okay. Is it dry? Okay. Sometimes? Okay. Let's just say it is. Because <laughs> it's better in my message right now. <laughs> it's a dry place. The path is the place that the farmers walk, though. I mean, in the context, the path is where the farmers walk and the sheep walk. So it's hard-packed, right? And the seeds are, hit this hard-packed place, and they don't have much of a chance. A soul can be hardened. A place where the, the good news of the kingdom comes, but it's, we're so hardened by whatever the analogy you want to use, the trampling issues of life that the soul, that the, the word of the kingdom can't get in here. It's, it's, it's the hardened soul. So let, let me ask you, and I just want you to shout out, and then I'll repeat, what do you think is the hardened soul? I mean, this, this is, you don't need my input about this. We all have experienced this. When you think of, of seed on a path that's, that's hard, what's the hardened soul? Or what hardens a soul? Just yell it out. Bitterness, anger, unbelief, unforgiveness, pride, routine, just over and over and over again, same old, same old. Apathy, hold over here. Sadness, that was great. That makes me want to cry. Sadness can harden a soul, especially unresolved grief, right? Grief that was never dealt with hardens a soul. The world in general, yeah. Fear, I heard. We could go on. Like, let's not stop with the bad news, right? But what, here's my point is we all know this. What was it? We're going to get to happy. I'm, I can't wait for that. <laughs> we, 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 we know disappointments hurt. And, and, and all those things that we said come, and you know what they cause us to do is they cause us to... to uh, construct a protective covering over our mind, will, and emotions. We basically say, I don't want anymore. Last time I opened up, I got hurt. Last two times I opened up, I got hurt. Every time, you know how it goes. And we create this uh, protective covering of bitterness so that we won't allow love or grace to come in. Counselors have told me, I've read, I've experienced. When you block 
when you protect yourself from pain out there, you know, I don't want any more because I don't want any more pain, that same protection keeps you from love, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not like there's a special shield. We sort of have to be open to the experience of life, knowing that God is with us in it. The love of God is everywhere. Unresolved anger hardens a soul, envy hardens a soul, wounds, unforgiveness. John Ortberg says this, the world diverts my soul attention when it encourages me to think of myself more as a victim than as a human. I cried for 20 minutes after that one. Or maybe when I yell and scream to be heard rather than to silence myself to listen. Right? That can harden a soul. I had a dream last night. I'll just tell you the dream. I don't know how it all relates here, but I had this dream, and Jane and I and a bunch of people are in a mall, and I'm ahead, and I'm riding a bike through a mall. We were at the Castleton Mall yesterday. That was wild. Anyway, I'm riding a bike through the mall, and I'm ahead of everyone, and, 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 and I realize I'm not with them anymore, and I look back, and I can't find them. And so I pull out my cell phone, and I'm calling, and I call Jane. And I'm, I'm desperate. And I'm like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I'm, I mean, I'm screaming into the phone. You know how when the phone goes bad and you just want to be heard, but you're getting ticked off that they can't hear you as if it's their fault, right? In the dream, what I realized is all the time I'm screaming into the phone, can you hear me? She's telling me what's happening. And then when I stop yelling, the phone goes. And I don't know what she said. I've been spent all my time squawking in my anger and frustration, and she was giving me a message, but I couldn't hear it because I spent all my time yelling in frustration. That's a hardened soul. We do that with God, and we do that with people, and you know, we do that with ourselves over and over and over again. So wrapped up in our hurt that we're unwilling to see the hurt that we're inflicting on others. And underneath the hardened soul is... Fear, a lot of times, reject, fear of rejection, being foolish, hurt or pain or whatever. So the question this morning is, Jesus talking to you about a hardened soul? This isn't a time for judgment or even introspection, but just your ears. Jesus, are you talking to me this morning about a hardened soul? The second soil or soul is the shallow soul. Jesus says, some of the seed fell on rocky ground. And he says, the ones who, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves. But endure for a while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, in other words, receiving the word of the kingdom gets difficult, gets hard, creates conflict in our lives or relationships. Immediately, they fall away. And the point here is that there was a very thin layer of topsoil. It's not so much, don't picture a rock garden, but picture, you know, soil that's just got a little bit of soil on top, and then underneath is just rocks. Sounds like gardens I've tried to till in the past. The world conspires against our souls to keep our lives superficial. I mean, isn't so much of what happens out there to keep us on the, from the enemy's point of view, to keep us on the superficial level with God or with others. So what would you say is a shallow soul 
or what makes a sh- what's, what's give me a description of a shallow soul? What causes shallowness? Busyness. Busyness, like the big one, right? What else? Yeah, that's great. Just moving from spiritual high to spiritual high. Like, I'd love to talk to God when he's real close up here and then run on him again, but we forget the valleys, the in-between. What else? Distraction, self-involvement. Well, we could just spin that into introspection and... The shallow soul lives on the surface of life, right? And we've all been there at some point. We just skim along the surface. Remember last two weeks ago, we talked about the Kairos moment. It's Jesus said, here's a moment of opportunity. The shallow soul says no to invitations from heaven. Time to repent. I don't feel like doing that today. But here's my good news. I don't really want to hear it. You've got an opportunity to connect with God to serve. I don't know. That'll, that's going to cause me to to have to do something deep. I don't want to do deep stuff. My soul is shallow when my interest and thoughts go no further than myself, my immediate needs, my wants, my agenda. But a deep soul will listen deeply, and a deep soul is willing to feel deeply. And a deep soul will, will hear not just the words spoken, but the emotion behind it and the reality. And a deep soul will love deeply. Romans 12, 9, Paul says, love one another deeply from the heart, like from the guts. And the world militates against the health of our souls by making us say no to the the wonders of God and just be kind of caught up in the surfacey, superficial stuff of life. Is Jesus speaking to you this morning about a shallow soul? The third soul, verses 18 and 19, Jesus says, And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They're those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for, I love this, other things. That's a pretty big category in today's world. The desire for other things. Enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. I'm not even going to ask your input because we would just be going through Amazon.com. The cluttered soul, right? Deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. Maybe rather than the one thing. Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Remember Mary of Bethany, but Mary chose the, the, the one thing. To, to be in an intimate encounter with God, to hear and to obey so you get to spread his love and his power out into the world. The cluttered soul. The cluttered soul gets attached to the wrong things. And John Ortberg says that the Velcro of the soul is what we call desire. Desire isn't bad. Desire is a gift from God. Disordered desire is a tragedy. Disordered attachments, that's what Ignatius of Loyola, 16th century, fun guy. Really, I mean it, fun guy. He talked about one of the things that militates against our relationship with God are disordered attachments, disordered desires. Desire is good, 
But when the thing that we desire is elevated above intimacy with God or love and care for our neighbor and our families, all of a sudden it's become disordered. We're out of balance. The cluttered soul. Is Jesus talking to you this morning about a cluttered soul? Lent is coming. See the smile on my face? Lent is coming. And we'll have an opportunity to ask Jesus to to help us unclutter our souls. Fourth, the open and the receptive soil. Jesus says, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 and 60 fold and 100 fold. Every soul hears the word, one accepts it and bears fruit. To accept it means to take it in. It's the same word used for if you were to go up in the Hebrew culture and say, Jim, um, this is, gets weird because you're his wife. Is this your child? Is this your son? If you were to say yes, <laughs> if you were to say yes, this is my son, you've accepted it. That's what the word means. You've owned it. You've fessed up. I'll take this in. I'll have responsibility. So when Jesus says, the, 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 the one who hears the word and then accepts it, he's like saying, I'm taking this one in. I'm letting this one plant in me, deep roots. This one gets to grow. I'm one with this word of the kingdom. And this is the soul that Jesus is praising because it's the one that listens and hears the mind, will, and emotions that are willing to respond to the word of the kingdom. The soul that lovingly says, Jesus, here you can rule and reign. So no matter which soil or soul you are this morning, Jesus is asking the same question or making the same statement. If you have ears to hear, hear. If, it, if you're getting the message... Take it in, accept it. If you're willing to accept it, act on it. Tell you, God is able to make his voice heard. He's able to do that. Quick story and then I'll close. Jane and I were at a restaurant. I think it was Tuesday. It was an emotional day. I don't know why it was an emotional day. It was an emotional day. And we were at the restaurant early before anyone else was there. And I'll just say we were having an emotional conversation. That's not code word for fighting. We weren't fighting, really. We were having an emotional conversation. And we were just sharing with each other. And we were both emotional. And we kind of got to the, to the pinnacle of the conversation. It's like one of us was just, there were tears. I won't say who they were from, okay? But there were tears. And, and one of us just kind of like blurted out of our soul something like, I don't know what to do. And do you have it, Ed, for me? And... We're, we're in the restaurant. Okay, remember where I started with the restaurant? I'm hearing everything but the beloved. Okay, I'm hearing, this time I'm hearing the beloved. It's just us there. But there's background music. And this is the song that comes on right at the critical moment. The critical. Listen, right here. No, no, not that part. Ready? Emotion, right here. Close. 
That's what came on. Mike and the Mechanics. Circa 1984. Who would have known it? You know what the song's called? Can You Hear Me? We just sat there. We literally we sat there, and there were more tears, but these were tears of joy. We're right in the middle of, God, what do we do? How do we handle this, right? And God uses Mike and the Mechanics. And you know what else is miraculous? She heard it too. <laughs> it wasn't just me. Did you hear that song? It was both of us. I mean, we were just, I wish there was a picture of us. We were just like, oh, did you hear that? Better you should pray to the Father and the Spirit will protect you. I mean, it just, it changed the night. It did, it changed our conversation. We're like, I guess God's here. This is where God eats out. He eats out everywhere. He's everywhere. He's able to make his voice heard. That's my point. If we will tune in and with the ears that he's given us to hear, we'll listen. Do you know what? I mean, I had to go to Mike and the Mechanics, and I'm reading through the lyrics. It's very bizarre. The 1985 music video, don't watch it. It's weird. But you know what one of the other lines is, just out of the blue? Someday sons and daughters will rise up and fight. That's pretty good, right? If, if God can speak through Baal and the donkey, he can speak through Mike and the mechanics because he's able and willing to make his voice known to us. The question is, will we hear it? The, the question is, will we, will we take it in? He's speaking to souls today. Do you hear? More importantly, will you hear? Will we obey? Lynn, will you come forward and let's stand this morning. I just want to leave you with some of those questions. They're on the notes if you want to take them home. What is Jesus saying to you this morning? What is he speaking to you? If you're hearing condemnation, that's not him. If you're hearing an invitation to cooperate with Jesus in the ruling and reigning, for him to rule and reign in your life, that's the invitation of the Father. Do you want the kingdom in your life? Um, let's have the ministry team come forward. Um, just a couple of things before we go into prayer. Um, one is um, Jonathan Prosser is uh, going this Tuesday to... to uh, to minister to a prayer a house of prayer in Germany. And so anyone who want to pray for Jonathan as we kind of go into 24-7 prayer soon, uh, like um, afterwards, Jonathan will come up and we'll pray for him. And also, Jane, I think that uh, Beth had a word. Beth, would that word be good now? Or? Go ahead. Yeah, hi. Um, good morning. My name is Beth. And um, I was worshiping here earlier this morning and... Um, I heard I heard the Lord speak about brains and the healing of brains, and specifically um, like non-conscious memories and places that are uh, you know down where we aren't conscious of every single day, not the prefrontal cortex, but down down low. And I was walking over here and praying over this area, and the Lord said, um, "Fan into the flames uh, your most holy faith. Fan into the flame, and as you fan uh, your." your faith in the Lord and you turn your heart that way, there are mindsets um, 
that uh, are parched um, and they're dry. And um, I, the Lord was showing me a picture of brains that were being healed. I saw fissures and cracks, and he said, um, I'm seeing, um, I'm releasing my passion. I'm releasing my oil. I'm releasing my anointing for you to grab a hold of that and say yes to that. Your brains will become soft, will become pliable. It's a gentle process. And all you just have to do is to partner with him and say, yes, Lord, I want to receive that today. It's a miraculous healing. He does heal us. Well, um, I want to take a few moments before we close to invite anyone who wants to come forward. If, if, if you know what Jesus is asking you and you want some, a, a partner to pray with in that, then I'd ask you to come forward and just pray with someone on the ministry team. Maybe you're one of those who's having trouble hearing. You're, you're distracted, you're cluttered, you're, you're shallow, whatever it is. And I just invite you to come and let someone pray with you. Jesus really wants you to hear his voice. That's the privilege of the child of God. I'm just going to wait for a moment. Anyone who wants to come forward. anyone else on the prayer team if we could have a few more people from the ministry team come forward that'd be great or t-group leaders or staff or elders some of you are experiencing just from the you're either you're hearing the song or from the from the psalm your soul is longing for god in in for depth that your deep is crying out to deep. And it's, it's a day of response. It's a, it's a day to say, God, yeah, I, I want. I want deeper. I want more. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us as a people. I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness, your lavish spreading of the good news of the kingdom upon us. And I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, for healthy, receptive souls this morning to take it in, to accept, and to see fruit in the kingdom. We thank you, God, for your goodness. In Jesus' name. We'll be here as long as uh, anybody wants prayer. You're welcome to come forward or pray with someone uh, that you came with, maybe. Jonathan, if you'd come up uh, to this side over here, we'll pray for Jonathan going out to, um, going to Germany.